Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. So today I'm chatting with Sunita Kumar, who I've recently met through Business Networks here in Canberra. And Sunita and her husband Sanjay are owners of a multi-award winning Canberra-based hospitality business, Dana, and we're going to find out all about the, the business. Sunita is a highly accomplished and driven professional with a distinguished career spanning and do you want me to whisper this, but over 28 years. <laughs> so very proud, lots of experience. And Sunita has transformed her business from what was a small pop-up in 2015 into Australia's best Indian restaurant in 2022, which was awarded by the Restaurant and Catering Association of Australia. And I'm proud to say that John and I did cooking classes with Sunita and Sanjay. So that probably means that we're part of Australia's best Indian cooking team as well. Welcome, Sunita. There's so much more. There's so much more that I want to introduce, but I think that will come out through the chat. How are you today? I am good. It's a beautiful day and loving the sunshine. Yes, yes. And Sunita is very kindly recording this podcast in between food prep. So we might hear some pots and pans in the background, but that is perfectly okay. So there's a lot of things that I want to find out about you, Sunita, in your business. And one of the things I didn't mention, you were named Canberra Businesswoman of the Year in 2020 and also received an honorary Paul Harris Fellowship for Outstanding Contribution to the Canberra Community in 2021. So lots and lots of achievements in your business. But I want to go back to where it started from. Where where were you born and where did you grow up? So I'm born and bred in uh, India. I say India primarily because there was no one city that I knew for more than three years of my growing up years. Dad was in a job that took us to different cities every three, four years. So I've grown up in north, south, east and west of India. And that's probably the reason I am who I am today because I have an appreciation for everything culturally, food-wise, language-wise of the rich tapestry that India really is. Yes, and it is. Do you know what? India's on my bucket list. Do you go back often to India or not? I don't go back too often, but I'll let you in on a little secret, uh, Catherine. We are planning to do some India food tours. Uh, We are That's on the drawing board, and uh, it won't just be a food tour. It will really be a cultural immersion. 
when we oh, get to Oh, my gosh. I just got goosebumps <laughs> then because India definitely is on my bucket list and I think it would be great to do it with people like locals, um, yeah. even though you haven't lived there for a long time, but I think that would be – very, very exciting. So Yeah, um, as they say you can take the take the girl out of India, but you yes. can't take India out of the girl. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh wow. Gosh, I could talk to you about that for so much. So so what was growing up like for you? Did you have siblings? Yes, I have an elder brother who is a very accomplished dentist and his wife as well. And mum's no more, but dad's living his life at the age of eighty four, living it up really. And, uh, you know, he's a very independent man and he loves uh, food and he loves traveling. And he's doing that even at the age that he is at. Wow, that's great. And is he still in India? Yes, he's still in India. Yes. Wow, that's great, isn't it, that independence? And I kind of get a sense too, and you can, the listeners can read Sunita's bio in the, the show notes, highly accomplished. Were you always like that? Were you a driven child? Did you? Yes, I think I was driven by the need to, uh, it's funny because I have a genius for a brother. <laughs> Do you? Right? And I don't say that, I don't use that word very loosely. Yeah. I, I really, he is brilliant at not just his field of work. He is a highly, you know, read and highly traveled. Uh, individual and even as a child when I used to look at him it was with a sense of awe Wow! that you know he had to no, make no effort to get high grades in school he would flip a book and yeah I'm done you know wow. and there yeah. I would be burning the midnight oil <laughs> to kind of just tip over the line for mathematics and physics and whatnot <laughs> so, so yes I think Drive to do better and drive to accomplish was always there. But I think at a young age, uh, when you see such brilliance around you, there is a mix of awe and a tinge of, oh, I wish I was like that. Yes, yes. Right? So uh, I guess I, and I, in, in a healthy way, not in yeah, a. Yeah, no, I hear <laughs> that. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that, that it was about almost like a role model. Yes. And that inspiration to even you saying that, Sunita, that you admired that, you know, from a young age to see that in somebody else and then be inspired by it. That's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yes, in a lot of ways he is, he is and he was and he is my inspiration in many ways. Oh, that is lovely. That is lovely. And what did you do? So you went to school in India. Yep. Yeah. And I finished my primary education, secondary education, different parts of the uh, country. Yes. But during my last few years of uh, education, we were in a place called Bangalore, uh, which now is like home, home for me. My home roots are there, I would say. And uh, that's where I finished my year 12. I always wanted to be a chef, I think, from the age of eight or nine. And there's a funny anecdote here as well, because oh. I must have been around eight or nine when dad took us to a very fancy five-star hotel in India and we were uh, dining by the you know the lakeside restaurant and 
there was this live kitchen and there was this what appeared to a child, young child in my mind was a huge man with a big chef hat and white coat and everyone looking at that person in awe as he flipped some uh, rotis in the air. They are called Rumali rotis, they're like kerchiefing rotis. And I was, it, I was just awestruck. I was like, who is that? And dad said, he's a chef. And I said, what does a chef do? And dad explained to me what the chef does. And that was it. I mean, I think I was hooked at that age. I remember cooking meal for the family and getting into a lot of trouble for having done that because we weren't allowed to, yes. you know, go into yes. the kitchen and stuff like that, uh, unsupervised. I remember mom and dad had gone out and I snuck into the kitchen and I made food, burnt it rather. <laughs> but uh, then I got scared that I would get into trouble and I put all of them into these pretty casseroles that we used to have. Uh, back in the day, those enamel with lots of yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. painted flowers and everything. Yeah. And mom used to keep them in this display showcase, you know. So I'm not sure if that used to be part of growing up in the 70s and 80s. But yeah. back in India, we had anything that was fancy would be in that display cupboard only to be removed when special guests arrived. Right. So oh I cooked it and I put it in that because I was scared. But Little did I know that mom and dad will sniff it out. I'm like, what <laughs> happened in the house? Like, and I got into trouble and I served them whatever I cooked. But I did get a reprimand. I, yeah. That way I was like, no, you can't do this without us. You want to cook, you have to do it with us. Mm-hmm. So this was very, very young. I must have been in year three or four when this happened. And then, uh, yeah, and at the age of, I think, uh, 13, uh, I was presented my first cookbook on my 13th birthday by a dear aunt. And uh, she said, for you to aspire and reach your dreams. And I think that was the seed of me wanting to be a chef. Oh, my gosh. Sunita, there's to know that from a young, I always love asking my guests similar questions, like when did they what were they like growing up and when did they sort of know what they wanted to do or if they wanted to and having that in you from that young age yeah. and also the getting in and having a go like <laughs> doing okay, so it. Yeah. I, have, I only said one part of the story so I knew I wanted to be a chef but I had no clue how to yeah yeah because 30 years ago you know I mean, we didn't have the access to the information we have at our fingertips right now. And again, a very uh, serendipitous, you know, happened to me that my best friend from school, uh, we were finishing year 12 and we, she wanted to get information on engineering courses. Yes. So I, uh, I had a two-wheeler back then. And I, no, she had a two-wheeler back then and I went along with her. And adjacent to it was this big, beautiful building. Appeared beautiful then, but in hindsight, it was in the most prettiest <laughs> building. It's an Institute of Hotel Management and Catering Technology. And I didn't know it existed. Wow. So alongside going and getting the engineering documents, I said, I want to go and find out about this. So we walked in and we inquired about that and luckily I think I caught it just in time enough to send 
my uh, application but i knew that my parents would not necessarily be supportive because of the kind of industry it was yeah. right so and i had uh, always started earning even as a young child i used to do some jobs and yeah. uh, i had some money and uh, i sent off my application without telling my parents oh my gosh i can see a bit of a pattern there yeah <laughs> independence and, yeah yeah and then the exam happened so i told them i'm doing this they said okay we will let you do the exam and everything but if it means that you need to leave bangalore and go somewhere else mom said clearly no that's mm-hmm. not happening so uh, as a backup plan i joined journalism and english literature oh wow in a bachelor's of arts and i started that course because there was a delay in receiving back information about the hotel management so i went in for the interview and i remember at like 10:30 or 11 in the night i got a telegram at home in those days we used to get oh telegrams <laughs> which said you need to appear for an interview in two days time at the hotel management institute wow. so i went for the interview and i again i was told if it's bangalore yes if it's not bangalore no and luckily i got the seat in bangalore and the rest is uh, as they say history wow so you went and did the so that was hotel management hotel management it was called hotel management catering technology and applied nutrition wow and you went and studied there yeah so i dropped out of english literature and journalism 4 months okay. into the course and then i went and started this course and finished it and what did mom and dad say about that were they happy they were they were like okay i mean you're not leaving the city so it's all right no so that's all right that's all right and it's also cuz education's very highly regarded isn't it yes. in yeah. india and it's about studying and and that showing that that you were driven to make yeah. that sound I, I more don't think they understood my madness but they went along with it <laughs> Good on them. Good on them. So what did you do? How long was that for? How long did that you study? That was a 3 years course. Uh 3 yeah. years of full-time studying or not. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, best days of our lives, I think, uh <laughs> university and colleges. So yes. uh made a lot of friends, uh learned a lot of the basics, and I'm always grateful to our teachers for having given us that strong mm-hmm. foundation. and uh, it was a proud moment for me when we opened dana and my first cookery teacher happens to be in sydney and he visited us oh. and it was it, it was a moment of joy and pride for me to get his blessings as well oh my gosh i'm going to so dana is your restaurant here in canberra that's right now yeah. i'm going to go back and fill in a few gaps before we go there When you finished your study, your 3 year study, did you open a restaurant then or no, was the I, sort of no? No, no, no. I went ahead and joined as a junior chef at one of the, you know, five star chains. Yes. Uh, so in India it was that was the pathway. So you would finish and you would get into one of the uh, hotel groups. So there were three big hotel groups. I got into the one called ITC Welcome Group and Sheraton Hotels. Yes. So uh, I was part of them. I started as a junior chef at their barbecue section the tandoor and barbecue section i was petite and uh, i would always be told that you know don't do too much of 
tandoor work because you might just chip into your tooth. Might fall in. Because you do, don't you, with the tandoor? You have to, yeah. it's right yeah. in the, is it a kiln? Right. Uh, yeah, it's like a kiln and uh, there's live coal fire uh, yeah. back in India. That's how it is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I learned the basics of uh, a good barbecue and uh, the tandoor cooking style. That was my first commercial experience. It was not what I dreamt of, right? Oh, so you have, yeah. I wouldn't say it wasn't what I dreamt of. It was not the right time for me to pursue my dream, I would say. It was a difficult industry as it is. Yes. And yeah. not many women get into the kitchen for, you know, precisely the reasons that I left, which is I didn't quite enjoy the uh, the loneliness of being the only chef, women chef in the kitchen with men who are highly skilled. Yes. But not necessarily educated. Yes. And uh, therefore, you know, it was always contentious that, you know, if they had to abuse each other, they would ask me to leave the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> like, can you leave the kitchen? We have to abuse each other. Oh, like, I can't do my job this way. <laughs> yeah, that's not conducive, is it? Yeah. So I, I didn't, after a point, it was not not what I imagined it would be. Uh, and you're young at that age, you kind of have these dreams, but not necessary that it's the right time to pursue it. So then I moved on to a corporate career and did a lot of different stuff over the next 15, 16 years. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think I just want to kind of just put a spotlight on that because I think that's important that when we have dreams, sometimes it's not the right time for that dream. That it's and it's about, you know, maybe recognising that. And when you were saying that that wasn't the environment that you wanted to work in it's kind of recognizing what is working what's not working and when to pursue and when not to pursue and that's not an easy answer I don't think all the time no. it's you, you don't just walk away because you know one day it wasn't what you wanted but it's yeah I think that's interesting that it's not always our dreams don't always come to life at yes, the timing I, that we <laughs> we want that's to. right and yeah. it it is important to recognize that just because a dream doesn't realize itself at yeah. that point in time, it doesn't mean that's not a dream to have. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I think that's really important. It doesn't mean, oh, you know, I need to let it go completely. It might just yeah. be, well, it, you know. Just put it in the back burner and yeah. let it come yeah. yeah. I've got a lot of those. <laughs> I've got a lot of those. <laughs> Same here. And things. So you went and did a lot of corporate work. So you became very highly accomplished too in the corporate world. So you did a lot of leadership and strategic sort of yes, positions so as well. Started, didn't you? With, started with phone banking, yeah. moved into a managerial role very quickly with Citibank, a subsidiary of Citibank. And then from banking, I went into the telecom world and telecom was just starting off yes, uh, in yeah. 1990. 796, 97 is when it launched in India. So that was like, I, I joined at a point where it was just about taking off and uh, there was a highly competitive market. So I brought my phone banking skills to set up a contact center. We went from 15 people to 150 in about 18 months. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh, then from there I moved into uh the corporate side of things where from operations I moved into 
strategic planning for training and development and standardization projects and then uh, moved into a consulting role with uh, telecom itself but purely in the learning and development space and then i went on to do a business manager's role and the product manager's role in unilever in india where i was managing the western region multi level marketing business with a, a consultant base of about uh, 100000 plus base i think and then came back into training consulting and then i was headhunted into a, another telecom startup that was my last job in india where i started as a training head for at a national level and then moved on to establishing the service excellence department which was a combination of process uh, standardization system putting processes into systems then into training people for those processes and soft skills and then looking at quality monitoring and audit and reporting so it was a huge variety of things but rolled into one big role called service excellence and that was really a huge learning curve for me as a corporate professional because from having so much of experience in operations moving into that role really uh, developed my critical thinking and strategic thinking abilities i would say i can see that and just piecing together so making that change from the hospitality industry and sort of recognizing that that's not where you wanted to be and then the other jobs you can see those links there about that quality improvement continuous improvement and yes. also when you were saying that about service excellence that's about the product but it's also about the people yes that's and right I can very much see even linking back to when you were saying that you saw in your brother his brilliance you might not see some connections there but I can see that that that's probably part of who you are as well and even when you know your service excellence in your hospitality business in Dana and what you've been able to achieve and what you've contributed back to the Canberra community I can certainly see those links from when you're sharing them. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's it, yeah, I can just see those connections and you also did stuff around social policy research. Did you do that? That was yeah, that's yeah. right. That was when we moved to Australia in 2012. Yeah, okay. So is that when you came to so you moved right. in okay. 2012. So So how come um, you moved how come you moved here? What was the Uh so yeah, there were three choices New Zealand Australia and uh Canada Canada yeah I said I'm not shoveling shoveling snow for the rest no, of my life no no I no. yeah in New Zealand at that time the migration policy was that you had to have a job before you got there yeah sure so I said that's not happening sitting mm-hmm. in India and then uh, we did a recce trip to Australia and said you know we we had a few friends who had migrated Yeah, came here, explored the country, loved it. Yeah, and then said, "Yeah, I think uh, this is the right place for us." It was warm, welcoming. We had a few connections, but not too many. Yeah, and we said, "Yeah, I mean, let's move here." Uh, it was a huge risk. Yeah, I've been a risk taker all my life. I think uh, the first big risk which I haven't spoken of. 
funnily enough. What is it? What is it? Yeah, <laughs> say it. Yeah. So I, I have, okay, this is not a concept that everyone would understand, but it's a very Indian concept called love marriage and arranged marriages, right? So yeah. I had a love marriage with Sadhguru where I fell in love with him in college and in our hospitality course. And he was my senior by two years. He was leaving college and I was entering college. Mm-hmm. And I think we knew right away after a few months that yeah, we're the right people for each other, so to speak. Back in the day, there was a lot of objection from my family. So I eloped. Oh my gosh. So I still remember this conversation. I'm sitting in the airport because he used up his full month's salary to send me an air ticket from Bangalore to Mumbai. Uh, from Mumbai to Bangalore where he, yeah. he was. And this was on the 15th of August. I was sitting in the airport and I used a public calling phone to call my friend and said, I don't know what WTF I'm doing. <laughs> But this is the biggest risk in my life I'm going to take because it can go either ways. Yeah, yeah. I can only say that I know what I'm doing at this point seems the right thing to do and I'm doing it. Oh, my God. The rest is not for me to control. And uh, touch wood, 28 years, we are still in love. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is beautiful. So that was a big risk. For me, and I say that as, you know, very, because, you know, when you see today's, and even my generation, when you see people who were deeply in love and then they fall out of love. Yes. yes. Things go kaput with yeah. their yeah. relationships. You know, it's a huge risk. And uh, I did that, you know, walking out of the house was a very hard thing to do. I know I hurt a lot of people in that process. Yes. 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 We've made, we've healed, but you know, it's always there at the back of your mind, I guess. Yeah. And when you say about the risk, it's the risk with Sanjay, what would work out with yeah. the relationship, but it's the risk also with other people in your life because when, yeah. often when we make one decision for us, it has a flow on effect. Yes. And yeah, so it's about that risk. And what I loved hearing you say was this is, this feels like the right thing for me to do in this moment of time. Yeah. And I'm just going to trust that that will, yeah. you know, work out. So that's a risk. But also looking at this feels like the right thing to do in this time. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, I think always being guided by my intuitions yes. and my yeah. gut. And I would say it's never let me down. No, no. No, same, same. Second yeah. big risk was moving back baggage. Yeah. Uh, as I always like to say, with eight suitcases, two kids, one husband and one mother-in-law. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big change, isn't yeah. it? To be able yeah. to leave your country of origin, yes. your family and start afresh that's in right. a new country. And so you, English was, you, you had spoke English when you yes. got here? Yeah. No, I, I, mean, yeah I think right from growing up onwards, I think I always, I even think in English. So English yeah. is pretty much, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I think in English. My, my self-talk is in English. 
Oh, I love that. I spoke with a previous guest who has three. She speaks Arabic, French and English. And I was asking her about her thought processes. And she says, because she's in a training space as well. And she said sometimes she has to do the translating because she presents in English. Yep. But she thinks in Arabic and French. And then sometimes it's a little bit of a delayed processing response. So that's, um, I find that interesting. I, yeah, I, I'm not multilingual. I find that so interesting. I, I, I am multilingual. So I, I speak about four different languages and, uh, I understand about six different languages. Oh my gosh. So, uh, I, I but I've always been, yeah. my thought process is all in English. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So you moved to Australia and what did you do here in Australia? So we uh, came here in January of 2012 and yeah. uh, without any job. We just had one friend in Canberra with whom we lived for the first three weeks, very close to where Dana, the restaurant is. Yeah. And I'll come back to an anecdote linked to this yes, later. Right. But, yeah. uh, you know, then we started looking for a house and then found one after about three weeks and yeah. then. Then we started looking for a job. I had 48 rejections before I got my first job. Oh, no. Yeah. How did you manage that? Oh, it was hard. It was uh, brutal because, you know, you come to this country because they say we need the skills. And then when you arrive as a migrant, they ask for Australian experience. And how do you get an Australian experience if you don't get a break? So it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a catching your tail kind of a business. But I was blessed. I found my job with the Academy of Social Science in Australia. It's one of the four learned academies and uh, which is legislated by the government. And it was a very small, small team. Very different from what I was used to mm. in terms of pace as well as the work. It was a very entry level basic job. Third day I came home after telling, you know, I came home and told Sanjay, I cannot feed two fish, pick up four phone calls in a day and write down a register of three letters that have come. I will start clawing the walls. Yes, now. yes. <laughs> so I can't do this. And he said, okay, I mean, just look at the bank balance. It's not looking very great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, do what it takes, but I leave the choice to you. And then I went the next day to um, John Beaton, my boss. He's no more. God bless his soul. And I said, John, I will go. I'll go mad if I have to do this yeah. every day. Just look around, figure out what you want to do. I don't want you to leave. Uh, you figure out what you want to do and do it. Don't. Wow. Wow. So it, he gave me, uh, literally a carte blanche to yes. do what I thought was needed. And I'm grateful for that opportunity because I looked around a couple of things that, you know, we could improve on. And it was old school way of doing things. Yes. I was trying to bring in my corporate way of doing things. Yes. And there was instances where, you know, it was like, Oh, that's not going to work here. And then push back. Learned the way of how to negotiate and influence uh, decisions uh, in a foreign land. Uh, Learned a lot about Australian communication. What you see is not what always you get. And in India, it's just the other way around. What you get is what you get. 
you know. I mean, yeah, it is very pretty much above the line in terms of there's no bordering on rudeness. Let yeah. me put it that yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it, to an, in an Indian context, if I, if somebody didn't want me to do something, they would say that's a bad idea. Just, just yeah. don't do it, right? Yeah. It would be like that. And, and here I had to learn. Oh, it's a good idea, but. And I would, I would be stuck on the good idea, but not the but. You yes. know? And there yeah. would be a few months to understand, oh, that's not what they meant. I mean, you know, there is a different layer of politeness. So maybe not as direct, not, 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 direct. not as direct and straightforward. Was, yeah. You know, it was a very, I mean, it's a different style of communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, the last job in India was with, uh, the company was Russian. So we had a lot of Russians in the top management, right? And whenever we would, you know, our boss would ask us something and we would answer, there would be this dead silence in the blank stare and we knew they had not understood us yeah. because Indians use a lot of head nods. Yes, yes. So we, for yes also we do this, for no also we do this. <laughs> do you understand <laughs> yes or no? And he's like, when we say no, we say no. Oh, when you oh. say no, you say no. <laughs> that's interesting. So what for those of us listening? It's like da da. It's the opposite. No, it's no. the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's so interesting that different cultures have different styles of communication, not just through words, but also through the body language. And, yes. Uh, so I I unlearned a lot of my Indian ways, and I'm very Aussie now. I think in my that's interesting even when you say that. Like I'm a head nodder and yeah. sometimes people say that as, um, interpret that as I'm agreeing what they're saying. Yes. It means that it. I've heard what you said. It doesn't necessarily mean I agree. So I'm, I'm conscious because I do nod my head a lot, but you mm-hmm. do yeah. a different head nod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, wow. that was my job. And then, uh, three months into the academy's job, uh, there was this a project that came along for all the academies through the Office of the Chief Scientist. It was a very interesting project called Securing, the program was called Securing Australia's Future. And uh, the first project was called Australia's Comparative Advantage. And it was a multidisciplinary project for about three years. And Dr. John Beaton said, would you like to do this alongside what we are doing here? Because I know you're already bored of Whatever you're doing, it's still not enough. You're still bored. Yeah. I'm still bored. So I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I became the project manager for that project um, over a period of three years and did a little bit of research, a little bit of writing, you know, pulling together the entire project in terms of administration and, uh, you know, supporting the chair of the project with whatever they needed, organizing the secretariat function kind of stuff. And then, from that and the executive manager role I was playing, they said, okay, why don't you take on the role of communication and publications and public forum? I said, yes. So I did that as well at the academy. So I was manager for the public forums program, uh, looking after the lecture series, the symposium. So yeah, that was very interesting as well. And I always call my you know, experience at the academy, a fast track course into Australia's history and public policy landscape. 
So I really got a rundown on everything about Australia from where it, when it was formed up to, you know. Uh, so it was very interesting working uh, at the academy. How beautiful and, for you. How What a beautiful experience. And also, again, your initiative, that's a thread that I see, independence and initiative coming through and risk taker as well, the risk of even going, you know what, I'm going a bit stir crazy here. I haven't got enough to do. And that then opened up to opportunities for you. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I, I'm again, a very goal oriented person. Yes. So I had, I had a vision board and then a goal, goal yeah. sheet for the family. Yeah. One of the things was that I want to go back to India after two years yeah. in Australia just to figure out whether yeah. the home is here or home is in India. Yeah. And that was a two year mark for me. That was very crucial in my mind at that time that I have to do that because only then I'll know where I belong and where I really want to put down my roots and anchor. And the answer was very clear. Uh, I think my first trip back, I love India. As I said earlier, you cannot take India out of me, but uh, this is home now. Best, I mean, best part of the rest of my life. Oh, that is beautiful. And so let's fast forward. When did you open the restaurant? Yeah, so the two years mark was like a double-edged sword for me, Catherine. It, at the end of two years, uh, and going back to India and coming back, I was disoriented because mm. I had achieved everything on the vision board and the goals had been achieved and I didn't know what next. What next? Oh my gosh. I hear that and, a lot. Yeah. And I went into this deep dark space. Uh, if at that time I'd gone to a doctor, they would have diagnosed me with clinical depression for sure. Interesting. Right. Interesting. So I was so lost and depressed and I mean, very dark, just negative about everything and feeling sad for everything. Mm. And I had nothing to be sad about. Mm. I had everything going well again. And then I met, I looked around for a mentor or a coach. Funnily enough, I was looking for a career coach saying, how do I, you know, move to another job or something like that. It turned out that I met this wonderful human being called Steve Dawson, who was a life coach, not a career coach. Yeah. And he said, you know what, doesn't matter what career you choose, unless you know what you want to do with yourself, yeah. you're not going to find that peace in anything that you do. So he put me through a process which was uh, hard on on myself, basically. Mm-hmm. I had to really in- introspect and mm-hmm. go into the depths of my mind to find out what really was making me unhappy. And the answer was very clear. It was the unfulfilled dream of being a chef. But, uh, we knew that. I knew that in, intuitively we knew it because when we, even when we were moving, we were like very clear that we will do something on our own someday. And that someday was not defined. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Steve just put me on that path to find the someday now more than anything else. So that's when we started really seriously looking for opportunities. 
but uh, like all new migrants you don't know where to start no you are still finding your feet you're still finding the ways of the land and you are with limited resources because you've spent all your resources to get to the country yeah 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 right so and uh, that's when i said okay how we going to do this i don't know but it will happen so i, I believe in the power of the universe so yeah. i left it to yeah. the universe and now i'll yeah. come back circle back to the point where i said yeah. we live with a couple of friends uh, when we arrived in australia just down the road from where dana sits today and we used to drive past when we were house hunting and we used to see this restaurant called delicia which used to be here always there was this happy vibe outside on the deck uh people sitting and having a glass of beer or wine in the evening and every day we say one day we're going to have a restaurant like this one day we're going to have a restaurant like this little did we know that four years from that point we would actually be having a restaurant like not like this but same one yeah yeah mm. so uh the opportunity came to start finally enough again now that i'm thinking about it so hard there was this thing that i stumbled on the internet called voulez vous dinner i'm yeah, not sure if people have voulez vous dinner yeah, yeah. it's a french company which does home hosted meals right so we registered on voulez vous dinner to host a meal and see if people would like it and we got two two sittings of that dinner happened yeah. at home wow and complete strangers walking into your home and sharing a meal with us you know and it was a beautiful experience and one of the of course Steve was one the first one yeah. to arrive yeah. after having gone through that process that I want to do this this was like the first baby step and uh the person who was supposed to come the day Steve was dining was the coordinator for Bulebudina and Canberra and he cancelled at the last minute oh. saying I'm sorry I have to pull out because I need to be at my shipping container outlet there has been some problem and I asked him what shipping container what outlet and he explained to me that he had a crepe stall in the west side acton park and we I used to drive past that place every day not knowing what it was because there was no signage or anything to yeah. tell people what it was it was just a couple of shipping containers yeah yeah you know which was uh, at the shipping container uh, there were food stalls and i didn't know about that so i said okay can i come and see what it is all about so the next weekend we made a trip to the shipping container and we saw they had these different you know cuisines from all over the world literally uh, there was miss vans there was a you know a shawarma shop there was a fish and chips shop there was a bar upstairs and we asked him and he, Finally, he pulled out of that project, and we got into another shipping container there, oh, and that's really? how that was started. So oh my we, gosh! Yeah, so that was our first, you know, bigger step, but still a baby step to figure out, you know, what what we wanted to do. And having been in Australia for two years, we'd seen that what we got served was not necessarily the uh, kind of food that we've grown up on and we wanted to actually showcase you know the richness of indian cuisine we started with street foods of india 
and uh, that was at the shipping container because it's that was what the fun was all about yes we we knew we'd hit something good and big when the first week we started getting calls for bookings at a shipping container and you don't get bookings no, you don't, yeah. <laughs> wow so, that's yeah, cool that do you was, know what i know that shipping that's my daughter had her 21st at that at that ah, area in okay yeah. mm. So yeah, so that's where it started, and then within about six months, we knew that it's not going to be enough for us to just do this. I think there's an appetite for the food that we want to bring, and sure enough, eight months later, this property was on Gumtree for sale. I mean, the, the owners uh, sadly had just taken over from Delicio or Silver Fox, it's called then. And had it only for about a month when the new owner was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, they yeah. knew they couldn't continue with it because he had to quickly yeah. get into hospital and stuff yeah. like that. So we stepped in, took it over in 2015, exactly one year, uh, 2016. So 2015, September, we started Dana at the shipping container and 2016, September, we moved here. Wow. Well, I, I, I want to go back. There's a few things that you had said there. Number one, I love that you had a life coach and I love that your life coach got you to uh-huh. unpack yourself, not necessarily the work, but what is it that you want and what's missing. And I think that's incredibly powerful. I love that trusting in the universe. It's about that co-creation. So yeah. having that you know, one day, someday we will have a restaurant like this one yeah. and even just putting that message out to the universe and all the little synchronicities and paying attention to the the, the signs that you were given and just following up on those. And yeah. it's almost like your innate curiosity, drive, independence, risk-taking yeah. with play as well. And then taking the the shipping container and then opening your restaurant and then being Australia's number one. How amazing was, gosh, that would have just been incredible for you. Yes, definitely. That was a huge, huge uh, moment for us. But I would go back yeah. to 2017. So 2016, I was still working, by the way, while I was doing oh, the wow. shipping container yes. and yes. the restaurant. I was still working at the academy from part full-time admit to a part-time job. So I didn't quit the academy till 2017. So three wow. years of running Dana was simultaneously done while I was actually working on full-time, then a part-time <laughs> job. So 2016 December Christmas party, I met my dear friend Michelle's father, who was a previous... You know, he in his working life, he was restaurant and catering associations uh, regional manager. And he said, you should enter the awards. And like, what awards? And I had no clue yeah, or yeah, anything, yeah. you know. And he said, no, you should enter the awards. Why don't I come before I leave? Uh, I'll come and dine at Tana and give you a few tips. Mm. And the next day, he, the family came and he dined and he gave us a few tips. And he said, I think you should apply for, nominate yourself and see how it goes. And that was in 2017, we could apply for 
yeah. year was as a new business because we had not yet finished one year of trading. And I looked around and saw which were the hotel uh, restaurants that had opened in that one year. And they were such big names. And I'm like, uh, should we just wait till next year and do the Indian category? And Sanjay said, no, I think let's do it. And I was like, yeah, what's the harm? You know, you just do it. So we put in our nomination and we won the best new restaurant in the city. Oh my gosh. I didn't know. And that. I still, that was one moment I can, I still get goosebumps thinking about yes. it because we went in with zero expectations. Yeah. Because we were up against Otis Dining Hall. We were up against Agastinis. Yeah. Wow. And the Poland Cafe. Wow. These are all big, big restaurants. These were all big names and, you know, rightly so. I mean, they were really incredible venues. And I still remember going in to take the award. It was like, is this really happening? Is this Dana's name on the? Everyone in the, uh, you know, the room at Hyatt was like, who are these guys? We've never seen them before. Oh, I love that. Literally so that, much. because we were yeah. rank outsiders. We had no yeah. clue what we were doing. We were just fumbling along and, you know, yeah. we ended up getting the best new restaurant in the city. It's like, it's, but that's doesn't what that I'm, say a lot though, when, you know, you're sort of saying, you know, not really knowing what we're doing, but you had that drive, you had that passion, you had that, let's give it a go. Like there's a lot of things against yeah. you, you know, not even knowing what you don't know in Australia and what's yes. available to you and just going in and doing what you do and doing it well that you've been recognized for yes. that. So that's a lot. That's it was um, incredible. Yeah. That's really good. I'm just thinking time wise, so you you won the new the in, best Indian restaurant in yep. 2022. 2022. Best Indian restaurant nationally 2022, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you? What's next uh, on your, so, um, <laughs> what are you planning? Enough, uh, Dana's uh, restaurant uh, journey is coming to an end in exactly in the eighth year of our existence. Yes. Uh, but uh, I always look at it with a tinge of sadness. Yes, because it's our baby and, yes. uh, you know, letting go is hard. Yes. But then it's again coming back to the same thing, you know, sometimes you need to let go to make space for something yes. new. Yes. And it is, of course, a lot of circumstances for personally as well that's leading us to this decision. But we don't have any regret that we are making that decision. It's a hard one to have made. Yes. And we are, you know, looking forward to the next chapter. That next chapter is partly going to be hospitality driven as well, which is, you know, we have uh, the beautiful, iconic Abbey at Goldfield. Yes which is a beautiful wedding and function venue. And uh, we have our catering business on the side, so that keeps going. And then uh, as we, you know, one of the ideas we had and I shared with you was we are simmering the idea of doing uh, food tours and India mm-hmm. tours. Maybe in the next uh, two to three years, that might come along. Wow, way. So much there, and I love the journey of where you that's got you to where you are now. But this is just a point in the journey because it's about going, moving forward, 
And, yep. you know, when you were saying that some things do come to a an end, you need to make space for new beginnings. And it's also recognising the the beauty of what you've done, but also what's next for you. You definitely yeah. are a driven, driven woman. I will let you in on another secret. Oh, uh, yes, this is another one of those unfulfilled dreams that mm-hmm. I have. And I'm kind of taking baby steps towards that is to find find space and make space for doing a PhD. Oh, my gosh. Going really? back to study. So, oh yeah, gosh. I've already put some wheels into motion and that could be the next uh, chapter in my life. Uh, what would that be? What would your PhD be? Oh, I've got two polarities in my mind. Yeah. One is to explore the history of food. Yes. And how cultures influence food. Lovely. And uh, that will be exciting. And the other is to see what makes sort you know, I, I'm sure it's been done before, but I want to bring a different my perspective to it, which is how do small businesses succeed and why do they succeed? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, because there's more to it than just hard work. Yes. And yes. Uh, determination. But, you know, there has to be something that allows a small business to continue for, uh, you know, over 20 years, 30 years. Uh, what what drives those kind of business? It's almost like that think and grow rich. You know, what is it that constitutes success for some people, and what you know, what you know, mastering success, and yeah. what is that for small business? Oh my gosh, both yeah. of those ideas would be um, yeah. amazing. So I'm amazing. I'm hoping to do uh, go back into the academia I, and do something in that space. Just in your spare time. As I said, we have to make time for it. <laughs> yes. Where can our listeners find you? You're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Also, we'll put the, all the, the details in the show notes. People can still, so if Dana's closing, yep. if anybody's getting married, they can use the Abbey. That's where your Married, birthday, is. anniversaries, whatever celebrations. Yep. And catering we will continue well. to do our cooking classes there, and uh, it will become bigger next year, hopefully. Oh, uh, what I mean by bigger is we're doing one session yeah. a month. We might do more than one. Yes. We uh, will continue to host those significant cultural, yes. you know, uh, event menus that we do, which is the Sadhya, the Kerala Sadhya. So we are. I think hopefully today I should release the date. I think even though Dana closes on the 16th, on the 29th and 30th of September, we will host our Onam Sadhya, which is, we do that twice a year annually, which is like a mega feast of vegetarian food on a banana leaf with over 40 dishes. Ooh. When's that? That's September. That will be in September. Uh, and that we'll continue to do. And we do Karma Kitchen at Dana, uh, which will now become Karma Kitchen by Dana at Abbey. So basically it's a paid forward, pay as you wish, uh, dinner night for a charity or a, you know, organization that wants to raise funds for any particular cause. In fact, the next one is a sold out event on 20th, on this Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday. We are doing it for uh, Prisoners Aid ACT, which is raising funds to support the work that they do. So what happens is whatever money we raise on that night 
half the money gets donated to the charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a night that's run by volunteers. So everything from serving you the food to clearing up your tables and washing the dishes, everything's done by uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's so beautiful. yeah, they're celebrating their 60th birthday. So that's what we're celebrating it with. And so people can find you still at dana.com. Still.com.au. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll have that all in the show notes. Yeah. Oh goodness. That time has just gone way too quickly. Thank <laughs> you. So much information there. And please follow, follow Sunita at Dana. And I would love for listeners, pop a review, pop uh, comments about the podcast so we can get the podcast into more ears and hearts for people listening. So thank you, Donna. Thanks thank, you. Um, thank, thank you. Thank you, Donna. So thanks, Sunita. Thank you, Sunita. Yeah, it's pretty right. synonymous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.